We need to talk. Ooh, another white boy with a podcast. Crypto, Jim Bro. Pronouns, hell no. Meal prep, sports bed. My dog wants to lick my balls. Trying to see the video, it went viral. Ooh, another white boy with a podcast. Yes, hello everybody, welcome along to another episode of We Need to Talk with MJO, a rare podcast that's hosted by a straight white guy. Unbelievable, isn't it? My name is Michael John Oliver, and every week on the show we dive into the big issues that have people talking in the world of recruitment, because let's face it, we all have issues and we need to talk about it. It's a very, very special episode of the show today, we have no guests. No plan, no structure, we're freewheeling, we're wheeling and dealing, we're rolling, we're off the cuff, baby. And we're streaming live here on LinkedIn. So I'm inviting everyone who is tuning in live on LinkedIn to join into the conversation. Think of it much less as a podcast and more like talk radio for the digital age. Except it's, you know, it's about recruitment marketing and it's hosted by a far less talented James O'Brien. And let's face it, it's a white boy of a podcast. What more could you possibly want? But ladies and gentlemen, before we even get into that, before we even start, we need to take a view from the mountaintop and pay a, a very special tribute to the pure strain creativity that's emanating from the south of France this week. I'm talking about Cannes Lions. Ladies and gentlemen, the advertising sector's Pride Parade, Mardi Gras, World Cup Final rolled into one. It's taking place and boy howdy, there's nothing that a recruitment marketer like me likes more than seeing dudes with big six-figure budgets, you know, windmilling and teabagging and thrusting their <clears throat> talent with other advertising legends all over the French Riviera. I mean, isn't that what we should all be aspiring to? Big motherfucking budgets, huge ad campaigns, celebrity endorsements, je ne sais quoi, creativity. And sure, we live in a time where interest rates are uncomfortably high and inflation is biting and the cost of living, the cost of living. God, is, is there a more depressing combination of words than cost of living is prohibitively huge. But, you know, so what? So what if our customers and clients are hurting? You know, that it's virtually impossible to afford a house on a single full-time income, that the planet is dying, that the biggest war in Europe since World War II is raging, and that Manchester City won the treble. And so what, from a marketing perspective, if 80% of agencies don't think their marketing teams brief them properly? And so what if 80% of CEOs think their senior marketers aren't that important and that only 20%, 20%, one in five, chief marketing officers can actually read a balance sheet? So fucking what, you nerds? It's party time. Get your junk out on the med, baby. This is what recruitment marketing is all about. Cans is what it's all about. I mean, never mind that marketing is getting harder and that our profession churns out increasingly despondent juniors with tiny aspirations and huge anxieties, 
Let's have a fucking fake Oscars on a yacht, man. Oh, and, and or did I did I mention that apparently 90% of the content being spewed forth at Le Festival de Cocaine has the term AI slapped on it? I mean, but so what? All right, you nerds? Hey, snort a line. And let's talk about chat GPT, you narcs. You nerds. Because, you know, when it all dies down and the LinkedIn selfies disappear, how pumped do you think everyone at Kansas is going to be to come back and do a whole bunch of hard, boring, tedious marketing work? It's about as likely as a marketing director, you know, looking hungover out his window as the afternoon sun reflects off his Cairns Lions trophy. The exact same sunlight that's reflecting off the PL line that he can't actually read. But it's a job well done, isn't it? In an industry that has done so, so well. I think. I hope. I pray. That is the view from the mountaintop. We need to talk. It is five minutes past 12 here on We Need to Talk. And even even though I'm flying solo, it's enough enough flying solo. Let's open up the door, shall we? We've got plenty to talk about over the next half an hour. And here, here's something that I just kind of want to you know, lob into the chat here. I want to get everyone's views on these things. Things that are sort of on the sidelines of recruitment, the recruitment marketing game that I think is actually worth us talking about. And here's the thing, this is something that has kind of caught my mind recently. Let's talk about the overall reputation of the recruitment industry. Let's get deep in on this, shall we? Because I have talked a lot about how on various message boards and comment sections that people out there just simply don't like our industry at all. From a candidate perspective, it's, it's understandable. Pushy sales, ghosting, fake jobs... I mean, none of these things are new, and yet they persevere. So as marketers in the recruitment game, we're charged with providing a solution from a, from a brand perspective, that we're not like those other cowboys. We're better. But does that actually work? And are we even aware of our collective reputation in the market? I mean, when companies and candidates are hurting, when the TA teams are run ragged, when they have lines underneath their eyes, is it really the best time for recruitment marketers to post lunch club photos or wax lyrical about their awesome holiday incentives? I mean, let's face it, recruitment is its own worst enemy. And I think we can boil that down to two points. Number one, the people who are putting up the lunch club selfies and you know while their clients are all run ragged, they simply one, can't read the room, or two, if they can read the room, they don't care. It's sales, baby. The Wolf of Wall Street wasn't a cautionary tale to these people, it was a fucking how-to guide. So what can we do? Our industry's brand collectively sucks, and it doesn't look like it's improving. So let me know your thoughts. Hit the little wave button and I will invite you up to the speaker's pulpit, and when I do, if you could just briefly say your name, where you're from, and what you do. So let's get the People's Forum going. Here's the first question. Can we salvage recruitment's reputation? Or is it really worthwhile to begin with? Opening up the floor, ladies and gentlemen, if you want to speak, come forth. You need to talk. And God knows you don't need to listen to me nonstop. We've got a, we've got a collection of people tuning in. I know each and every one of you have opinions. Come on, what can we do to make recruitment better? 
And we have a first caller on the line, if it isn't MBK's own Katie Armstrong. Good afternoon, Katie. Hello, afternoon. Very good. I'm very. I'm doing very well. We have issues, Katie. We need to talk. Is recruitment's reputation salvageable? You have worked in recruitment for a number of years in a number of different places. You recently joined MBK. Yeah. What is your kind of take on this? Where does the industry lie? See, I I think it is salvageable only because I actually went into recruitment because of negative experiences. How did that happen? How did that play out? Um, so I mean, it's 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 all kind of the kind of the the typical tick boxes that you mentioned earlier. Kind of all the red flags of a recruiter. So underselling or misselling a job that I went into, and you know, just really not reading the room, and yeah, just ghosting, and yeah, th there were just so many red flags with with previous experience. Because um, I just yeah, a couple of years ago, I thought, well, you know, so that I can, I feel like I could do a better job myself. <laughs> and yeah, I think maybe had some sort of midlife crisis and just completely changed career and went into recruitment. And yeah, I think just with, with the industry, I think it is just a, a lot of it's about personal branding. And um, so, you know, just building up that trust one on one and keeping promises with people and, you know, just being genuine um, I think there's you know a lot that can be said about the minority of good recruiters out there definitely I think that's an interesting point because the perception and certainly a, a lot of what is out there about recruiter that when you think about the makeup there's sort of the, the persona of a recruiter it's it's a young dude in their 20s kind of slick back Essex boy who yeah. is all about you know all about doing that money all about doing them deals that was an offensive accent but you know I have an offensive accent naturally so it's that's by the by but that's that's the perception and I know that our industry does attract a lot of people who fit that and who yeah. go into it with that I'm going I want to make a lot of money I didn't I didn't necessarily go to uni or if I went to uni I'm, I'm now not sure about what I want to do now this seems like the next port of call yeah. and I wonder like this I, I feel that the recruiters the best recruiters I have ever seen the ones who build the most the ones who who have the have the strongest relationships who do do the job really really well they, they again they fall into two categories you either have the one who is absolutely going to have a mental breakdown before they turn 30 because they work 15 hour days they are just all about the job they are in it you know in early leave late uh, they run themselves ragged, but they bill, you know, but at what cost? Yeah. Or the, the the most successful recruiter I've ever come across is a guy who is in his 50s, who, you know, doesn't worry, didn't worry about personal branding or anything, anything like that. Uh, but he just built up a reputation on LinkedIn for just doing the basics well. And by the basics, I mean, he followed up on his emails. He yeah. you know, took the calls. He provided the feedback. He just you know, showed that level of diligence and care. And I wonder if it's something you don't, an individual would necessarily pick up on until they've got a little bit more life experience and they realize this is just, this is what people think about. This is what their concerns are. It's, it's less about, you know, do you want this job or not? But what's, what are all the things between the lines that a young person or someone with less life experience would potentially miss? I wonder yeah. if, that lends itself better to have older, you know, you know, 
recruiters with more life experience, shall we say? That's the, the polite way of putting it. Uh, being able to being able to do that a little bit more carefully. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I mean, I think kind of from my whole two years experience in recruitment, yeah, I mean, it's, you can quite quickly see that difference when you're working with, say, really young recruiters who have, who have just come into the industry kind of straight from uni or wherever that there is just kind of that missing link of, of I think kind of sometimes it, it really helps to have a bit more life experience and kind of that knowing how to speak with people and handle conversations because it's I mean it's it's not the easiest of, of as you've said it's not the easiest of industries um so yes yeah, I think there is a lot to be said about kind of that that experience and and kind of that level of maturity definitely absolutely we, we teach them how to sell we teach them how to use LinkedIn we teach them how to speak on the phone teach them how to yep. pre-close we teach them how to deal with objections we teach them about everything in order to get the deal over the line but we don't spend a hell of a lot of time teaching them how a person thinks or that when someone's weighing up an offer, these are all the considerations they're going to go through. And this is the reason why they would need to think about, you know, if they're going to move, if they're going to move to move to a job in a different location that they you know, potentially will need to talk to their partner about it. You know, think about, mm. you know, the school system, you know, housing system, all of those things. And it's the kind of thing we, for recruitment we teach you know day one get on the phones start pitching start getting cvs but perhaps there's something to be said for learning more about the psychological side of recruitment or indeed the psychology that a person goes through in order to you know change jobs mm, definitely do you feel that i i think there are definitely recruitment companies out there and this is I, at the risk of turning this into an MBK love fest, I mean, we 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 we, we come from we come we, we I mean we come from a place. I mean, our for those listening, MBK search, uh, Amer you know, it's a predominantly as they would say, as our as our team has said, we're an American shop. Uh, you know, when we have that, I think we've got that American energy to it too. It's very positive, very encouraging, very, very forthright. Uh, but at the same time, you know, things get, people get built, people get placed. The, the bread and butter of the recruitment game is, is also really strong. But what yeah. sort of struck me is that for the most part, our team, our, our, our company as a whole does skew a little bit more towards the more life experience side of things. And it's certainly not something I've seen from more UK recruiters who do tend to bring in like you know, apprentice, uh, trainee co cohorts and you know, fresh yeah. out of uni, first job, get on the phones. So many people kind of go down that road. We have a second caller who wants to jump in and friend of the show, Rowena Wilding. Hello, friend of the show. How are you this afternoon? Can you hear me? I can. We can hear you loud and clear, Rowena. So I think that you've danced around the word a number of times and not actually said the word. And the one that just keeps coming to me is empathy. And I think that that's the difference between... So I have a recruiter, just one recruiter that I will work with. And she is absolutely fantastic for me because she has a kid the same age as me. She's had life experiences that are very similar to mine. You know, she's really... She knows marketing very well. She is capable of empathizing with my situation. So every time I'm making a decision, she naturally puts herself in my shoes. And 
that's the difficulty with 20, 21, 22-year-old recruiters. I'm not saying they're not going to be great recruiters, but what, what they lack is is that, or sometimes lack, is that empathy to, to really be able to connect with the very often highly experienced people in a sector that, that they're just learning about. Um, and I think whenever I've whenever I've come across a client who or a person who's a little bit disillusioned with recruiters, it the story always comes back to just a total lack of empathy. And it is it's more than just understanding the situation people are in or even their life ex- their life experience, but what people actually expect when they engage with someone who is a professional in the service industry. The, the, the bare minimum of returning emails, returning calls, providing feedback. When when that is the bar that isn't being crossed, it's it's little wonder people get despondent. And yes. empathy is absolutely it's it's awareness awareness of you know people's time the consideration and the the amount of emotional energy that goes into a decision like that i, I think yeah. that it, it's something that is i on one hand it can be taught but it, again it's the kind of thing you don't really understand until you experience it that's that's how i see it yeah that's it and, and i think we're doing jobs every day where we have to do those things we have to feedback we have to respond to emails we have to return calls so for us it's it's just day-to-day good manners so when you don't receive that from a person who you're you're i mean you're putting a huge chunk of your life in their hands if if they can't provide that bare minimum service why on earth would you trust them with your with your job with your recruitment process you you just want to run a mile from that don't you well that's that's exactly it katie how, how do you feel when you're speaking to a candidate when you are you know pitching a role even when you're, you're trying to understand where where they're coming from is that the perspective you take and do you find that is that has been far more effective way of getting people on your side i mean that seems like a no-brainer but how has that played out for you in reality <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, not only are you discussing kind of the fundamentals, so, you know, can they do the job, but equally, you know, how would it fit in their life? Um, So, yeah, so I think kind of going back to what Rowena was saying about that empathy as well. And, you know, sometimes I might not necessarily be able to exactly kind of be on a parallel with that person's life. You know, I think just there is that definitely that level of understanding and just getting to know someone and understanding what their motivators are and you know what they need is definitely really crucial absolutely absolutely we have a a a new speaker joining us at the speaker's pulpit andy david hello andy how are you this afternoon i'm very well thanks um i don't have a great deal to say i'm not in recruitment or marketing i'm an engineer but i do use uh, recruiters uh, quite regularly and I've had uh, over the years quite different uh, experiences and I will say that a good recruiter is absolutely worth their weight in gold and I think it's um, to the points that Rowena and, and Katie have, have expressed already um, the more complete they are as a person the more they can understand me as a hiring manager or as a candidate um, mm. then the, the better the service will be I don't think it's an easy job at all I think it's quite a hard job uh, in my life as an engineer, if I'm working on a platform, um, 
if I work on a similar platform, I know exactly what the differences are. And if I go back to the first platform again, it's going to be exactly how I left it. But people aren't like that. They change. And I think it's one of the great gifts we have as uh, as as individuals is to be able to uh, have that time to re-understand that person, um, to look further, you know, how they've changed, what their uh, requirements are now. Um, I think it's, it is a tough job. Um, I think it's... Uh, it's underrated how difficult it is, and I think that's that's just my um, my perspective from someone who's worked with a great many uh, recruiters over the years, <clears throat> and the the great ones are absolutely worth their weight in gold. Um, Do you have... I would say that the quality has seems to have been in the last couple of years seems to have got better on average. That that's interesting in and of itself too. I, I think as the industry has become more professional, and certainly as as it start to be, it starts to be perceived much less as just a go-to job and more as a potential career, I think people have started, to, a lot of people have started to take it more seriously. But what yeah, I, yeah. question I want to ask you, Andy, is do you have a, you know, one or two recruiters you kind of keep in your back pocket that you keep in touch with, even if you're not looking for jobs? Are, are there ones who you've built up that kind of rapport and that relationship with? Yes, absolutely. Um, there's one I have uh, just a regular Zoom call with, um, and we, <laughs> we we even don't really talk about um, recruitment at all. Um, I mean, we know it's it's a formal meeting, um, but it's it's just a nice conversation. He asked me how my job's going. I asked him about the uh, state of the industry, but we don't really discuss opportunities. Um, I'm an independent, uh, I'm a, a consultant, consulting engineer, so I have the possibility of changing jobs maybe several times a year. But also because of the work I do. Um, I have the. Uh, it's it's very often that I'm hiring quite a lot of people, so I I, I work with both sides of it. Um, but yeah, there, there's definitely a few I keep really really uh, firmly in my back pocket. And do you find that it's it's valuable more than just the this is you know, these are what the this is the current billing rates that we're seeing at the moment. This is what the hiring market is like. Do you find that that little extra insight, the, the more broader value has been useful in terms of just you know getting a lay of the land? Um, it's a good question. I've always been of the opinion that if you want a good service, you've got to be prepared to pay for it. Um, and I think it's, um, I'd hate to try and talk someone down off their, um, off their rate. I think it's, uh, it's really not something I'm comfortable doing. I mean, if I, uh, for example, went to Rowena, I said, I, I really, really need some marketing. Can you help me? Um, she tells me her price and I think, great. I know what I'm paying. I know how much I need to pay. I know what my budget is. Yes, it's great. And that's it. And then it's up to me to help her do a great job. It's like I can't like explain to anyone how to do their job. Uh, I've got quite a narrow set of skills. You know, I can't do marketing or sales or recruitment. Um, and I really love when people do jobs that I can't do and they do it really, really well. It's like an education. It's quite a joy to see. Uh, but I think it's, um, you know, it does have, I think the profession has that feeling that, oh, well, I could do that. You know, I can, I can put a job ad out. You know, I can scan some CVs. I can, I can screen some candidates. And, and yes, in theory, I can in the same way that I, I know all of the way that chess pieces move, but I'm not world chess champion. I'm not Gary Kasparov. It's, um, you know, I have very, very limited ability. And, and it's just the insights that, that a good, 
a good recruiter will have into yeah the cv but also the person behind the cv what drives them as an individual what their their values are are they going to gel with the values of me or my team or my company or my project um so i think it's uh you you are treading quite a difficult line of sales and marketing that yes it's it's a highly skilled job that you do and and uh and in my experience highly valuable but it does have that feel of oh well yes i could do that and and of course if you're providing valuable service then you should be paid accordingly and and when i you know and i'm i'm approaching maybe my manager or my client and say look i, I really want to work with this um this recruiting agency or this particular recruiter <clears throat> this is their fee you know you do get the old plumber's shot up intake of breath <laughs> and i think it's a it's a real shame it's a real shame that it's received like that because it, it's just like any other service you know at the end of it i'm i don't have a shiny new macbook sitting on my desk but i'll have uh i'll have had you know, a, a pleasurable business transaction i'll have a great candidate that i can work with or maybe two or three you know and it's it's something like yes i've got that made my life simpler that thing which could have taken me six seven eight months took me six weeks and i've got a great person here and and i think the way that if you look at it that way then yes absolutely recruiters every time and it's uh, and, I, and i've got no problem um you know justifying the the fee of a good recruiter i think they're <clears throat> absolutely in terms of time saved and effort saved then it, it's absolutely worth the money absolutely. but it is i i do appreciate that it is a hard sell Absolutely, absolutely. Andy, thank you very, very much for your thoughts. I, I want to you know, throw it back to um, both Katie and Rowena there. Like, if you were to, given what Andy has said, and given that it's, it seems, when, when it's laid out like that, it just seems like it, it's not like we're you know, not doing rocket science here. We're not sending people to the moon or anything. like. It's, it's very, very simple, really, isn't it? It's the act of engaging with a human being the way that you would want to be engaged with. Like if you were putting out a service, what kind of service would you want to receive? So if you think, I'm, you're both, you both have done, um, your areas of, uh, your areas of expertise are different, but we all swim in the same waters. If you were to give someone who is coming up as a, as a, a junior consultant or as an apprentice, someone who is, has got the sales side, has got talent for sales, but is perhaps kind of missing that bigger picture. What advice would you give them to you know, be able to think more broadly about more than just the sales side, but how to be more empathetic, how to kind of read a person as more than just the sum of their parts? Um, I would say it's, it's, for me, it's, it's quite often to, so often recruiters are very much focused on kind of the black and white and kind of the what um so you know what are you doing how are you doing it and and kind of understanding their experience just from a really you know just basic level um but you know it's more of kind of the why um so you know just it's it's almost that whole thing of you know asking why five times um to you know really dig down um, so I think a lot of that is, yeah, it's, it's just very much getting to know them, understanding them and just digging deeper, really. Um, I, I, my, <laughs> my husband is now listening to this, so he'll know that I'm a queen of asking a million questions. Um, and yeah, I mean, it's very much you, you just need to get to know someone and 
just really ask the questions that maybe you know other people with that lesser experience like lesser life experience would be almost too nervous to ask Rowena how would you read that have we lost Rowena Oh, she really disagrees. <laughs> right, she, she's stunned into silence. Well, I, I'm, I, I don't think she'd disagree. No, she's, she's very much from what, from the interactions I've had with her, she's very, very on board with this idea. And I, I think this is exactly the thing, isn't it? It's, and it's regardless of profession, whether it's recruitment and certainly the, the pressure of sales, the pressure of recruitment. Certainly, it, it the, the line that gets pulled out time and time again is you know it's not for everyone it's not for you know it's it's a hard game and I, I amidst that you're not only having to learn about you know the the, the way the human psyche considers a, a career change you're not only having to make sure you're an expert in your area of um, your area of recruitment but on top of that you've got to you know, be empathetic you've got to be understanding and you've got to be able to hit your KPIs and you've got to be able to you know, build a personal brand and do all of those things at the same time whilst earning a commission, plus all this you know, big life stuff in your world is happening. And, and it's, it's certainly something I think we need to give, particularly younger recruiters, everything they could possibly need to be able to do their job well. But I think the most important thing we can give them is time. Time to time to learn, time to understand, time to get the process done, time to kind of find their rhythm. And you know, if it's not, you know, they're going to be like the boiler room recruitment companies who are like, if you're not fucking smashing the phones on day one, get the fuck out. But you know, I feel those 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 companies, they're the ones that aren't gonna, yeah, they're, they're probably the ones posting lunch club photos. They're, they're they're the ones who don't get it. They're the ones who think recruitment is what it was back in like the early mid two thousands. Whereas I think the game has shifted. And slowly but surely, I feel that the reputation will improve. But they, that is the line. That is the, the, the area we have to kind of work on and develop and finesse and grow in order to make that happen. But we need more recruiters who are empathetic in order to build out and improve uh, the, collective, the collective brand, if you will, of the industry. I'm just I'm aware of the time here on we need to talk and this and we need this is a fantastic format. I'm wondering actually I think I might we might keep this as the format for we need to talk when let's face it we do all need to talk and we all need to kind of get together and so it's a nice nice way to kind of get everyone in to have a natter about all things marketing all things recruitment. And I just wanted to say thank you to those who we spoke to today to Katie Armstrong, Andy David and Rowena Wilding. Katie you've just Cooked oh, off you. It was as always. It was a pleasure to have everyone involved, and this is actually a real life white boy podcast. And by that I mean it is actually a podcast you can listen to on demand. If you look up, we need to talk with MJO anywhere you find podcasts: Spotify, Apple, Amazon, Google, the the, the other one. I can't remember what they are because I'm an old man. But anywhere you get podcasts, you can listen back to this show on demand and we will be back next thursday for more of we need to talk because let's face it friends we have issues we need to talk and we need to talk so from me mjo i'm just another white boy of a podcast we'll see you next week where the boys of the podcast